MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Season 9 of Next Question with me, Katie Couric. I've got some big news to share with you in our season premiere featuring the one and only Chris Jenner. Oh my gosh, congratulations. That is very, very exciting. And that's just the beginning. We'll also be joined by podcast host Jay Shetty, Hillary Clinton, Renee Fleming, Liz Cheney, and many more. So come on in, take a break from the incessant negativity for a weekly dose of fascinating conversations. Some of them, I promise, will actually put you in a good mood. Listen to Next Question with me, Katie Couric, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, from Wonder Media Network, I'm Jenny Kaplan, host of Womanica, a daily podcast that introduces you to the fascinating lives of women history has forgotten. We've always been intrigued by stories of disappearances. Whether it's a fraudster from the 17th century who kept evading the authorities, or a novelist who taunted the Nazis and faked her own death, we all want to know, what happened next? To find out, listen to Amanica on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Countdown with Keith Olbermann is a production of iHeartRadio. I guess after the verdict, the only possible conclusion is Donald Trump is a witch. Since the jury came back and found Trump liable for sexual abuse and awarded the plaintiff $5 million for that and defamation, I keep thinking about E. Jean Carroll's television career. Even if you knew who she was before her testimony led a court to declare Trump guilty of sexual abuse and defamation, you probably didn't know about her television career. For two years, she hosted an advice show called Ask E. Jean. Maybe the worst television show I have ever seen, although she was good on it, but she took phone calls for like two hours as a camera followed her wandering around a set that looked like somebody's living room from 1982. In and of itself, the show was unimportant. I discovered it by accident. It was on channel, I don't know, 28,032 on my parents' cable system. But nearly three decades later, which network it was on matters. It was called America's Talking and NBC launched America's Talking Network on July 4th, 1994, and it lasted exactly two years and 11 days before they pulled the plug. Talk shows. Nothing but talk shows. It had shows with Steve Ducey and with John Gibson and with Chris Matthews and with E. Jean Carroll, and a talk show hosted by the president of America's Talking and its sister network, CNBC. It was hosted by the least photogenic person in the history of television, the president of the network, Roger Ailes. Roger Ailes. 
sexual assailant ran that network, ran it into the ground, and hosted a terrible show. And when it all finally crashed, he got fired by NBC and then went over to Rupert Murdoch to start that endless televised fascist rally that is Fox, taking that doocy guy with him. And when America's talking shut up finally on July 15th, 1996, the next thing the handful of people who were watching saw on that channel was the debut of MSNBC. MSNBC replaced America's talking on America's cable systems. I mean, E. Jean Carroll was at the nexus of the birth of cable news and then vanished entirely from it. And now she is at the nexus of our privilege of getting to call Donald Trump a sexual abuser. And what goes up must come down. Spinning wheel got to go round. The sexual abuser is live on cable news tonight because... CNN is run by the nincompoop who, when we were at MSNBC together, formerly America's Talking with E. Jean Carroll, we thought ate paste. Trump, the CNN star, of course, responded by saying he does not know E. Jean Carroll, which may be as much of a confession as that videotaped deposition in which he metaphorically hanged himself. Assume he's not lying just on this one thing, this one time, and assume the jury got it right. That would mean he assaulted her without knowing who she was. And that is the most Trump thing I have heard in months. But oddly, it may not be the worst thing said on his behalf just yesterday. A fundraising email pitch that has nothing to do with the Carroll verdict, nor the Georgia case, nor the New York case, nor the Jack Smith fraud case, nor the Jack Smith destruction of evidence case, nor the Jack Smith insurrection case. Quote, George Soros and his globalist cabal are attempting to buy out the media, control the media and guarantee Biden whatever coverage he desires, etc., How many anti-Semitic tropes can Trump work into one sentence? Soros, globalist, media. Obviously, it underscores what is so frequently glossed over. Trump is an anti-Semite. Always has been. Second, talk about exaggerations. Do you know what the Soros buyout attempt here is? Soros attempts to buy out the media. You know what they're talking about? It's him bidding to buy... Vice Media out of a bankruptcy court. If anybody can control world events by buying Vice Media, they sure as hell kept it a secret from the guys who ran Vice Media. Then there is George Santos, or more correctly, the question, which of 2,000 different things The feds have managed to indict Congressman, if that is his real title, George, if that is his real name, Santos, if that is his real name, of New York, if that is his real address. Every news organization, except Vice Media, has reported that Santos has been indicted on federal charges and he may be in court in New York as early as today, Wednesday, but the charges were under seal, so nobody knew exactly what they were except maybe an actual New York congressman, Dan Goldman. I have seen this nowhere else but from a Fox reporter and a Fox producer. Representative Goldman, 
tweeted about the Santos charges, but in his tweet, he did not include this money quote. They quote him as saying, it is completely absurd for him, Santos, to be a member of Congress and walk the halls of Congress while being charged with a crime of committing election fraud. Goldman may have been misquoted, may have been speculating, may know something, may simply be making the obvious guess. I mean, the only thing we know is true about George Santos is that he devoted the years 2021 and 2022 to committing election fraud every day, everywhere he went. Plus, congressional staffer Aaron Fritchner says he saw four Capitol Police go in and out of Santos's congressional office. And CNN saw Santos go in and out of Kevin McCarthy's office. And then the Capitol Police said they went into Santos's office out of an abundance of caution. How oh, I hate that phrase. An abundance of caution. They went into his office? What well, sounds like they were worried that Santos had seen the 1960s movie Advise and Consent and had hurt himself. I mean, seriously, why else would they go in to check on conditions there? They said they found nobody there. An abundance of caution. What did they think? He'd stolen all the furniture on the way out? Well, maybe CNN reported Santos skipped town and headed back to New York. And it all sounds you know, like Raymond Burr and uh, William Talman and Ray Collins starring in The Case of the Invisible Indictment. Faust. This might not be it for Santos. Nothing says he would have to resign if indicted, even if indicted for election fraud. Kevin McCarthy said again that nothing but a conviction or a guilty plea would make him call for Santos to resign. Of course not. He needs Santos's vote in whatever is to come on the debt ceiling. And again, that meeting at the White House yesterday produced no news except one snippet, which I have kept pounding here ever since I first heard that the administration was considering relying on that little snippet. The president said simply, I have been considering the 14th Amendment. He acknowledged that that would have to be litigated, and if there were still no extension, the move to avoid the debt default would require a lawsuit during which there could be a different debt default. To refresh you on this, though, Biden means the part of the 14th Amendment dating to the Civil War, which reads with, I think, astonishing clarity, quote, the validity of the public debt of the United States authorized by law, including debts incurred for payment of pensions and bounties for services in suppressing insurrection or rebellion, shall not be questioned. There are lots of constitutional scholars who say that a president faced with imminent default on the national debt would not only be allowed to pay it anyway, borrowing the money from wherever necessary, but would in fact be constitutionally required to pay it anyway under the 14th Amendment. I am not a constitutional scholar. It reads pretty clear to me, so what? 
But more importantly, you may have noticed that the White House has been adamantine throughout this whole Republican hostage drama. No negotiations, no cuts, no trial balloons, just you guys do your job and raise the debt limit. Why would they be that strident if they didn't think they had an unanswerable card to play, like that literalist interpretation of the 14th Amendment? Even with the acknowledgement that the courts would still have to decide, it sounds to me like the president is hinting he'll give the Republicans some minor budget cutbacks in exchange for a temporary extension during which they'd ask the courts to rule on whether the 14th Amendment means what it sounds like it means. Quick follow-up from Texas. Despite the flood of disinformation on the world's new primary source for disinformation, Twitter, investigators of the mass shooting in Allen, Texas, have confirmed now that Mauricio Garcia subscribed to neo-Nazi ideology and had Nazi patches and had Nazi tattoos, to which that super genius Elon Musk demanded to know how do we know that was actually his social media account? Seems very odd he would have a Russian social media account when he doesn't speak Russian. What adult Musk is. As the investigator from the great group Bellingcat noted, posts identification cards, guns, body armor, a speeding ticket with his name, hours of video of him at shooting ranges at his apartment, photos of his tattoos seen on the shooter's body, a map of the mall three weeks before he shot it up, and a final message, unquote. But Musk wants you to believe it's the deep state, and the deep state is so powerful it convinced a guy to get Nazi tattoos and then convinced him to go fire at people at a mall and convinced him to let himself get shot and killed, all as a psyop to besmirch the reputation of Nazis? Morons. Okay, back to Washington as a final item here in the A Block. And Harlan Crow, the guy who owns his own pet Supreme Court justice. Harlan Crow has officially refused to comply with an I'm asking you nice letter from Senate Finance Committee Chairman Ron Wyden. Senator Wyden wrote Crow on April 24th for an inventory of the gifts that Crow gave Clarence Thomas. And now, Crow's lawyer Michael D. Bopp. BOPP has written back to say the committee has no authority to compel Crow to give up those records and is just trying to tarnish Clarence Thomas's reputation as if this were 1991 and such a thing were still possible. How do you tarnish Clarence Thomas's reputation? First off, find it. Wyden is pissed off enough to be considering subpoenas for Crow or maybe for Crow's tax returns. But in another sign that the Democratic team in the Senate may in fact be the New York generals to the Republicans' Harlem Globetrotters, Judiciary Chairman Dick Durbin just yesterday wrote the same letter to Harlan Crow. Literally, just asked him for an inventory of his gifts to Clarence Thomas. The inventory Wyden asked for in his letter of April 24th. You guys have email or 
phones to talk to each other? On the other hand, if a press release is correct, there is now nothing preventing Dick Durbin from issuing subpoenas for the testimony of Harlan Crow and Clarence Thomas and John Roberts and hell, dig up Scalia and bring him in there and anybody else. There has been a Senator Dianne Feinstein sighting. Maybe. According to her office, Senator Feinstein was cleared for travel after her and our two-and-a-half-month ordeal, shingles and 91 missed votes, and was heading back to Washington last night. Fingers crossed. And question, do you know in, in, in the D.C. area, are there any professional Diane Feinstein impersonators? Still ahead on this all-new edition of Countdown, public accusations of cheating by the team with the best record in baseball. But there is no evidence of any cheating, nor even a theory of what or how they would have cheated. A Fox Sports 1 TV and local New York radio host may be in big trouble. Tucker Carlson and Elon Musk team up to try to make the world safe for trust fund babies. As somebody who has actually done political video commentary series on Twitter, let me explain why the Tucker Twitter show, or the Twitter Tucker show, would start in obscurity and end up in invisibility. And I missed Willie Mays' 92nd birthday, but it's close enough, it was only over the weekend, that I can still discuss something nobody ever mentions, not even Willie. Like Muhammad Ali, Willie Mays was drafted while he was already a superstar in his sport, already a major league star, and he missed nearly two seasons, and he missed his chance to break baseball's all-time home run record. Also, I did an interview with him when I was 20, in which he pretended to be someone else. I may be recovering from this interview any time now. That's next. This is Countdown. of Tom Brady Stole the Show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glazer podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glazer podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glazer podcast to start listening. Welcome to season nine of Next Question with me, Katie Couric. It is 2024, and we're going to get through this together, folks. My campaign promise to all of you here on Next Question is going to be a good time the whole time, we hope. I have some big news to share with you on our season premiere featuring Kris Jenner, who's got some words of wisdom for me on being a good grandmother, or in her case, a good lovey. 
you know, you start thinking of what you want your grandmother name to be. Like, are they going to call me grandma? Like I called my grandmother. So I got to choose my name, which is now Lovey. I'll also be joined by Hillary Clinton, Renee Fleming, Liz Cheney, to name a few. So come on in and take a break from the incessant negativity for a weekly dose of fascinating conversations. Some of them, I promise, will actually put you in a good mood. I loved it. Your energy and joy. I'm squeezing every minute I can for you out of this season of Next Question. Last question. I promise you have to go. I have to go. (laughs) But it's been so fun. And I can't wait for you to hear it. Listen to Next Question with me, Katie Couric, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic Gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Countdown with Keith Olbermann. This is Sports Center. Wait, check that. Not anymore. This is Countdown with Keith Olbermann. In sports, it's three weeks since baseball's Oakland A's said they had a binding agreement to build a billion and a half dollar baseball stadium on a site west of the Las Vegas Strip. The Nevada Independent reports the A's are already back to looking to move elsewhere. Two sites per the paper in Las Vegas, where the Wild West Casino site used to be over there on Dean Martin Drive and at the Rio Hotel and Casino. There's binding, and then there's Philadelphia, Kansas City, Oakland, Las Vegas A's kind of binding. Trevor Bauer, former Cy Young winner, driven out of Major League Baseball here after sexual abuse allegations, signed in Japan with the Yokohama Bay Stars. He pitched okay in his first start, but he was criticized by a teammate for a vanity play in which, after each strikeout, he pretended to sheath a sword. If he'd kept his sword sheathed, he'd still be pitching for the Dodgers. Well, now in his second start, Bauer has fallen on that sword. The Tokyo Yamiuri Giants beat him up 9-2. Bauer gave up 11 hits, 7 runs, 3 homers. Trouble for FS1, the Fox cable network that carries part of the company's package of baseball games. One of its hosts, Craig Carton, went on his local radio show in New York after the Yankees lost two of three to the high-flying Tampa Bay Rays. His co-host, Roberts something, said of the Rays' 29-7 and start, quote, there's something suspicious about that, by the way, to which Carton replied, yeah, they're probably cheating. If the unfounded allegation against the team with the best record in baseball were not bad enough, Carton is an ex-con who literally went to prison for cheating, securities and wire fraud in a Ponzi scheme involving sports tickets. 
And lastly, it was Monday when this happened, but it is too good not to put it on the record. The National Hockey League tarnished left and right, but never more so than by a sexual abuse scandal with the Chicago Blackhawks that went unreported and unpunished for a decade, held its annual draft lottery. The number one pick, certain to be generational scoring talent Connor Bedard, was awarded to the Chicago Blackhawks. Twitter user at LeCanuck then produced one of the sports tweets of the year, observing, quote, out of respect for Blackhawks culture, they should have kept quiet about the result of the lottery for 10 years. Time now for the daily roundup of the miscreants, morons, and Dunning-Kruger effect specimens who constitute today's worst persons in the world. The bronze, Vladimir Putin, invading Ukraine and threatening nuclear conflict and blaming the U.S. and the West and trying to split our country in half by sowing division and racism online is one thing. But celebrating Victory Day, the 70th anniversary of the end of World War II, and doing it so badly that the world laughs is something else altogether. In part because he has exhausted his military in Ukraine, the annual Russian Victory Day parade of tanks was a little short. It consisted of a parade of one tank, a T-84-85 World War II vintage tank pulled out of a museum, like an 80-year-old tank. Vladimir, have some self-respect and cancel that part of the parade and just have somebody sing Tanks for the Memories. Sorry. The bronze, Elon Musk and Tucker Carlson. Sorry. They announced in a video in which it looks like Tucker's makeup was applied at Clown College that Tucker Carlson will apparently forego the remaining 25 to $30 million Fox owes him and will do his show every night on Twitter. Google searches for Tucker Carlson have fallen through the floor since his TV show ended. To quote myself, good evening and welcome to the end of your career. There are ways to use Twitter to distribute short or at least not long political commentary programs. The Closer and the Resistance that I did for GQ in 2016 and 2017, really they were transmitted on Twitter and Facebook and they got like 375 million total views for 170 shows of about 10 minutes each. And I've done shorter commentaries, two minutes even less, that have also gotten millions of impressions. But remember the calculus here. When you hear Tucker Carlson boast that his first post-Fox Twitter video got 40 million views, but his last Fox show got only 4 million viewers, remember that how audiences are measured for Twitter and TV it's entirely different. Four million TV viewers means four million TV viewers is the average for every minute in a 60 minute show. 40 million Twitter viewers means 40 million viewers for every minute of a two minute show. That's 1 30th the length of the TV show. If you measured television audiences the way you measure Twitter audiences, on Fox, Tucker Carlson had 90 million viewers a night. His Twitter video didn't reach half that audience. And a live, hour-long show on a social media site designed to be consumed two or three minutes at a time, maybe, 
is going to crash and burn. Good! But our winner, Melania Trump, she has given her first interview in months to Fox, saying she is looking forward to helping her, she checks notes, husband, the one whom a jury just ruled sexually abused E. Jean Carroll as he seeks to regain power. Melania says she wants to help him restore, quote, hope for the future and leading America with love and strength, unquote. Melania, somebody's contract option was picked up. Trump, today's worst person in the world. The Nikki Glazer Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glazer Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glazer Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glazer Podcast to start listening. Welcome to season nine of Next Question with me, Katie Couric. It is 2024 and we're going to get through this together, folks. My campaign promise to all of you here on Next Question is going to be a good time the whole time, we hope. I have some big news to share with you on our season premiere featuring Kris Jenner, who's got some words of wisdom for me on being a good grandmother or in her case, a good lovey. You know, you start thinking of what you want your grandmother name to be. Like, are they going to call me grandma like I call my grandmother? So I got to choose my name, which is now Lovey. I'll also be joined by Hillary Clinton, Renee Fleming, Liz Cheney, to name a few. So come on in and take a break from the incessant negativity for a weekly dose of fascinating conversations. Some of them, I promise, will actually put you in a good mood. I loved it. Your energy and joy. I'm squeezing every minute I can for you out of this season of Next Question. Last question, I promise. You have to go. I have to go. (laughs) But it's been so fun. And I can't wait for you to hear it. Listen to Next Question with me, Katie Couric, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic Gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Still ahead on Countdown, I'm a little late to this party, but baseball immortal Willie Mays turned 92 years old the other day. And as always... Whenever I hear his name, and I met him first in high school, when I was in high school, not when he was in high school, I flash back to the radio interview I did with him when I was 20, and he pretended to be somebody else. Next. First, in each edition of Countdown, we feature a dog in need you can help. Every dog has its day. How could you possibly kill an eight-month-old puppy? Even a big one named Bruno, who nips people. Bruno is an Akita mix. He's stuck in a remote pound at Big Bear in California. They have maybe 12 kennels in the whole place. He's scared. He nips. He's a puppy. 
He has a soulful face and absolutely no chance of surviving unless a rescue goes in and pulls him. And any such rescue will need our pledges to help defray its costs because he'll need a foster home, he'll need training. We live in a world where not killing puppies costs money. Look for Bruno on my Twitter feeds and pledge if you can, or please retweet. I thank you, and Bruno thanks you. And now to the number one story on the countdown and my favorite topic, me and things I promise not to tell. And as I mentioned, over the weekend, Willie Mays turned 92 years old and the greatest defensive athlete I have ever seen play any sport and easily the greatest all around baseball player I have ever seen was celebrated rightly across the sports world. And all I could think of was the damnedest interview I ever did. This was at my first job for my radio network at UPI when, God help me, Willie Mays was 16 years younger than I am now. And like I wasn't scared enough to be on the phone with Willie Mays, he started the interview by doing a bit, a bit which if I had done that bit, they would have fired me. The other thing I think of is an amazing injustice that befell Willie Mays that nobody talks about and nobody registers anymore. Okay, the first part. So it's a Saturday afternoon, October 27th, 1979, just 43 and a half years ago, and Willie Mays has just been banned from baseball because word has gotten out that he has signed a contract to do promotional events for a casino in Atlantic City, and there is a news conference coming up in two days on Monday. Now, try explaining this whole concept to any current sports fan, any current sports fan now used to seeing retired players on TV telling them how to bet and who to bet on, or the sportscasters doing the games, giving you the latest odds and how they have changed since the last period or inning started. Plus, this was like three months after Willie Mays was inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame. Three months after the celebration of this brilliant career, and now they've banned him for life for something that today the commissioner would have sent him a note of congratulations to say nothing of a large paycheck. And nobody has done an interview with Willie Mays yet because he has been traveling. And my phone rings in my little cubbyhole at the United Press International Radio Network that I've only been working at since August. Three months. That's how long my full-time broadcasting career has been to this point. And on the phone is maybe the top baseball reporter of the second half of the 20th century. Keith, it's Milt Richmond. This man once reported in July 1955 that if the Milwaukee Braves did not start winning, that they would fire their manager exactly one year later. And they didn't start winning. And exactly one year later, to the day, they fired their manager. Keith, write this phone number down. It's Willie Mays. Milt never got excited about anything. He talked like this all the time. Willie Mays is expecting your call for an interview about this banishment story. And I squeaked, yes, sir. And I went into one of our recording studios and I dialed Willie Mays' phone number. And I will not recreate the voice that I heard answer Willie Mays' phone. 
Because while doing this voice was once considered to be a staple of American humor, even American humor written or performed by liberals, I mean, James Thurber's short stories are full of this voice. The voice is wildly racist. It is racist enough that if today you heard an African-American man do it, even Willie Mays, you'd probably say, no, 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 still, still racist. Don't, don't, don't do it, Willie was a voice similar to the actress Hattie McDaniel, who won the Academy Award in 1939 for Gone with the Wind. She was a world-class blues singer, a top patriotic fundraiser during World War II, and she played maids, housekeepers, in maybe 200 films. She also played one on a famous radio show and was paid so little that while she was performing her role of the pretend maid, she had to keep working as a real maid. Okay, so I'm 20 years old and I have to interview Willie Mays about him getting banned from baseball, which is crazy enough. And I call and the phone is answered and a gravelly but feminine voice that sounded exactly like Hattie McDaniel says, hello, Mr. Mays's residence. And I'm a little thrown, but I power through it somehow and I explain who I am. And she says, uh-huh. And I say where I'm calling from. And she says, uh-huh. And I say, Milt Richmond said Mr. Mays was expecting my call. And she interrupts and goes, this is Willie. The Hattie McDaniel impersonation was being done by Willie Mays. Now, I do not have this on tape. Silly me. When my bosses said, you may not start recording before you get express permission from the interviewee to start recording. I believed them and I lived by that rule. Anybody else would have a tape of this phone being answered and the Hattie McDaniel impression done by Willie Mays because the first thing you do is record so you don't have to remember to record because otherwise you'll forget to record. But I'm afraid you are going to have to take my word for this because why would I make this up? October 27th, 1979. And I still haven't recovered. Mr. Mays's residence. Happy 92nd birthday, Willie Mays. Now, the injustice that Willie Mays suffered that nobody talks about. In fact, I've never heard him talk about it. This is something else that no fan believes today. The United States military used to draft Major League Baseball players and NFL players and NBA players and send them into the service in the middle of their seasons, in the primes of their careers, even if there was no war in progress. They only did it a couple of times after, say, 1945, and usually that was thinly veiled racist political pressure such as when they drafted Muhammad Ali in 1966 when he was heavyweight champion of the world and an activist Muslim, and he was 24 years old when everybody else getting drafted was 18. Remember that? But in 1952, they also drafted Willie Mays. He had come up from the minors the year before and had led the New York Giants from 13 games back to the National League pennant, and he was the kind of all-around whirlwind of a player nobody had ever seen before in Major League Baseball. And on May 29th, 34 games into his second season, boom, he was drafted and inducted, and he missed the rest of that season and all of the 1953 season. I can't think of a parallel today. Maybe... Maybe they, they draft in the middle of his second season 
somebody like Fernando Tatis, and in the middle of May, he's gone for the rest of this year and next year because he has to go serve in the military. Now, they didn't draft Mickey Mantle, who also broke in in New York in 1951, the way Mays did. And to be fair, Mickey Mantle had about 400 medical problems that would have kept anybody out of the military, and it was all legit. But they also didn't draft the 1951 American League Rookie of the Year winner, Gil McDougald of the Yankees, who was a white guy, or Walt Dropo, who was the Rookie of the Year in 1950, or Roy Sievers, who was the Rookie of the Year in 1949, or, or, or you get the point here. Now, trying to calculate should-have-beens in sports is a risky enough business, but you can get an approximation of what might have happened. If a player hits 20 homers in his first year and then misses two years, and then he comes back and he hits 41 homers in his first year back, you can extrapolate that he probably would have hit 27 homers in the first missing year and 34 in the second missing year. Your numerical sequence is 20 homers, then 27 homers, then 34 homers, then 41 homers. You have to tinker a little bit with it in Mays' case because he didn't miss all of that second season, 1952. He just missed from June on, and he'd had a slow start. He'd only hit four homers in the first two months of 1952. So instead of 27 that year, maybe he only hits 24 that year. So a good guess as to how many homers Willie Mays did not get to hit because he got drafted and all the white guys did not get drafted is, all told, 54. In real life, playing between 1951 and 1973, Willie Mays finished with 660 home runs. For most of the 1960s, it was thought he was the man who would challenge Babe Ruth's career record, not Hank Aaron, but Willie Mays. Willie Mays hit 660 homers, but if you give him those 54 more homers he might have hit if he hadn't been so curiously drafted in 1952, Willie Mays would have finished with 714 home runs. 714, which is exactly how many Babe Ruth hit. So if he doesn't get drafted, maybe in 1972 and 1973 and 1974, we are seeing Willie Mays hit his 700th career home run, challenging Babe Ruth's record, and then tying and breaking Babe Ruth's record. And then right behind him, Henry Aaron hits his 715th homer and then his 716th homer to break the all-time record held by Willie Mays. I've done all the damage I can do here. Here are the credits. Most of the music was arranged, produced, and performed by Brian Ray and John Philip Chanel, who are the Countdown musical directors. All orchestration and keyboards by John Philip Chanel. Guitars, bass, and drums by Brian Ray, produced by TKO Brothers. Other Beethoven selections have been arranged and performed by No Horns Allowed. The sports music is the Olbermann theme from ESPN2, and it was written by Mitch Warren Davis, courtesy of ESPN Inc., Musical comments by Nancy Faust, the best baseball stadium organist ever. Our announcer was Kenny Main, and everything else is pretty much my fault. So that's countdown for this, the 855th day since Donald Trump's first attempted coup against the democratically elected government of the United States. Do not forget to keep arresting him while we still can. The next scheduled countdown is tomorrow. Until then, I'm Keith Olbermann. Good afternoon, good morning, good night, and good luck. Good luck.
yeah, I know I got the sequence out of order. How much did you pay for listening to this podcast? Talk to you tomorrow. Countdown with Keith Olbermann is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Psst, there's a shortcut to platinum status at Shell. To saving 10 cents per gallon on every fill every day. Just fill up six times with Shell V-Power Nitro Plus Premium Gasoline, and it's yours. Plus, you'll rejuvenate your engine. Get ready to level up performance, rewards, and savings. With continuous use in gasoline direct injection engine fuel injectors, Platinum status is earned with 12 fill-ups over three months, 10-gallon minimum per fill-up at participating Shell locations. Terms apply. Visit fuelrewards.com slash status. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Season 9 of Next Question with me, Katie Couric. I've got some big news to share with you in our season premiere featuring the one and only Chris Jenner. Oh my gosh, congratulations. That is very, very exciting. And that's just the beginning. We'll also be joined by podcast hosts Jay Shetty, Hillary Clinton, Renee Fleming, Liz Cheney, and many more. So come on in, take a break from the incessant negativity for a weekly dose of fascinating conversations. Some of them, I promise, will actually put you in a good mood. Listen to Next Question with me, Katie Couric, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.